This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to the Million Dollar Women Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Day, and the Digital Marketing Manager at eWomen Network, and I'm hanging out with our Director of Star Power Studio and podcast producer, the one and only Walter Johnson Jr. Here at eWomen Network, we are on a mission, and that mission is to help one million women each achieve one million dollars in annual revenue. Let's do this. Here on this podcast, we interview million-dollar women about what it takes to join that seven-figure club. But here is the beautiful thing. Being a million-dollar woman is about way more than your net worth. It is a mindset, it is an attitude, and it's that cash in your bank account. It's the Million Dollar Women Podcast. Welcome to episode one. Today we are featuring Sandra Yancey. Sandra is an internationally acclaimed, award-winning entrepreneur, five-time number one best-selling author, movie producer, and philanthropist who left her successful Fortune 500 corporate career to launch eWomen Network in 2000. Two years into her business, she was on the verge of bankruptcy and ready to close her doors. Not one to give up, she found her grit and today leads one of the most successful multi million dollar women's business networks in North America with over 500,000 women business owners connected through 118 chapters eWomen Network produces more than 1500 events annually as well as the premier international women's entrepreneur conference in North America Sandra has been selected by the Emmy award-winning TV show The Doctors to help transform the mind body and spirit of its viewers recognized by CNN as an American hero the eWomen Network Foundation has a awarded cash grants to 113 nonprofits and 155 scholarships to emerging leaders of tomorrow. Sandra is the preeminent women's business expert teaching women how to rise and succeed in spite of everything. I am so excited to welcome the one and only Sandra Yancey. Is it as weird for you as it is for me to interview my mom right now? I don't know. It's kind of weird to know that I'm being interviewed by my daughter. I don't know whether to call you mom or to call you Sandra. It might be a mix of both, whichever comes out, depending on the mood. I've always been called worse. Well, then let's do this. (laughs) So either one is fine for me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, then, Sandra mom. My first question to you, since there's just, I couldn't think of a better way to kick off the Million Dollar Woman podcast than having the visionary behind the Million Dollar Movement on the podcast. So what I want to know first is what was your inspiration behind the One Million Women Making One Million Dollars a Year movement? I think my inspiration really comes back to just hearing how exhausted uh, most entrepreneurs are and you know how often when I ask them to describe their day it's just never ending right and they're trying to do all things and be all things to all people and instead of running their day they're letting their day run themselves and what I um, what I really believe in my heart is that when you get to that million dollar mark, you acquire just this newfound freedom. 
And that's really what it's about. It, it's freedom to be able to do a lot of different things. I mean, first of all, you're able to, you know, hire people to do the things that either you don't like or you're simply not good at it or you have no business doing because ultimately the goal of um, you being a CEO is to do only the things that only you can do and begin to hire that out. What's powerful about hiring other people is there's this this other level of awareness and pride that comes in when you realize that these people just aren't serving you in your vision for the work that you want to do, but you're actually impacting the economic um, world of that individual, you know, through being able to pay them. And the bigger you are, the more you're able to pay people um, and really show them their value and their worth. What's really powerful about that is that you begin to see that they're able to make their rent payment, their car payment, pay for the ballet lessons of their daughter, the tutoring classes to get mm -hmm. their child from, you know, regular to classes to maybe AP classes, which then sets them up potentially for scholarships. I mean, the ripple right. effect, you know, of what goes on when you have the freedom that comes with being able to, you know, go to the million dollar market. And let me just say one other thing that I think um, is really important about it. And that is that as a woman entrepreneur, and same true for men entrepreneurs, the, the power of getting freedom is that suddenly you have freedom to say yes to the things that you're really passionate about. Yes, I wanna work with that person. Yes, I wanna work on that project. Right. Yes, I wanna make that donation in that amount. But it also gives you equal power to your nose. No, I'm not gonna work with that person because it really isn't a good fit. No, I'm not gonna work on that project. I'm not that desperate for that kind of revenue and that's really not in alignment with where I'm going. No, I'm not gonna contribute to that, right? It, it gives you so much freedom and that's what's really behind the million dollar movement. I love that and I think that freedom means something to everyone. So to kind of get to know you on a more personal level, what does being a million dollar woman mean to you? What does that freedom look like to you? What's your vision of being that woman? Well, my vision of being that woman is just serving more people faster. You know, being able to acquire and accumulate more customers. You know, our business model at eWomen Network, we have, you know, our membership model for $357.1995 a month. But we also have, you know, uh, $100,000 programs. And so we've got this huge band. And depending on where people are in their business, they need different kinds of support and help. And what I love about being a, a million dollar uh, producer and business owner is that it really allows you to expand your offerings and to serve people that really need you and you have the time and the talent to be able to pour into them to move their agenda forward and when you are playing small you just don't have the bandwidth the resources and the money to be able to do that very awesome tell me a little bit more about what it took for you to get here you know i mean you reached that seven figure marks so that you are able to 
offer all of these programs and the things that eWomen Network has been able to roll out over the past few years between Star Power Studios and your online Monetize Me Now program kind of speaking to that lower level offer to really be able to help move the masses forward on their business agenda. Those are all recent things that you've been able to do as a result of where you're at now. So what did it take for you to get there? What was the turning point in your career that helped you reach the seven-figure mark? Well, I think there are, you know, fundamental, what I call CEO success skills that no matter how great you are at whatever your passion is, in order to really build a business, because it's not about just getting to a million dollars. It's sustaining it and growing it from there, you know? And I mean, getting there is one thing. Staying there and continuing to grow really is a whole nother set of skills. So I would say to you that, you know, the most important thing is that you have to learn, unlearn, and relearn. (laughs) Does that make sense? You have to learn what are the things that I need to get to this mark. And then it's important to understand as your business, most people say it plateaus. I don't really think businesses plateau. I think your business has, you know, a heart and a soul and a, a beat to it. And it's often trying to communicate to you if you will just listen. Mm-hmm. And that plateau really isn't as much a plateau as it is a launch pad. I think your business is basically saying what you've been doing to get me to this place is no longer going to work to get me to that next place, you know? And so even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. I mean, we've got example after example from Motorola, right, to, you know, Blockbuster. I mean, think about Toys R Us. I mean, amazing companies that had such prominence and market share that didn't shift as the economy shifts, as technology shifts, as customer expectation shifts. So you have to constantly be innovating and improving, which means you have to unlearn things that you have learned that have gotten you to a certain part. In many ways, it's like, you know, raising a child. You know, the things that you do to get a a baby to the toddler stage is one thing. Another thing to get them ready for school, all of a sudden the behaviors have to shift and change. Another thing to get them from school to graduated. You know, all of that stuff, just getting from high school to college, if that's their choice or whatever. I mean, things have to change. You have to grow and unlearn and let go and grab onto new. And the same is with business. And I think it's counterintuitive for entrepreneurs because once they start getting the ball rolling, they go, oh, this is working. Working. And they don't want to undo that. They don't want to mess with something. Kind of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Totally. It's not that it's something has to be broken for you to make the shift. You just need to understand when you're beginning to exhaust that season of your business so that you can constantly, so staying a student. I mean, it's it's a balance, right? Being an expert, being perceived as an expert, but then always staying a student, which is why I think coaching, mastermind, all the, mm-hmm. I mean, I, people say, what do you invest in most? And you can, you know, come to my office. You know, we have three quarters of a floor and a tower here in Dallas my own studio, multi-cameras, you know, all of that. But the thing that ultimately I invest in the most is my own constant personal development. I am so all about this because as you obviously know, being both my uh, boss (laughs) and my mom and also my coach was I before coming into EOMA Network did your 
SOAR program. program. Exactly. Yeah. And I just, I love that you just spoke on this because that was probably one of the biggest takeaways I remember getting from your two-day intensive when we started the program where you spoke to the importance of rewriting your own job description. And that was so fascinating to me because that was never something in a million years I would have thought to have done and kind of really reassessing where you're at now in your business and the things that you did over the past year are not necessarily the, not necessarily the things that need to be done in order to move forward. And that was so pivotal for me to really recognize in order to grow. And I just saw so much growth in myself once I realized that I needed to change as an owner um, in order for my business to grow and not getting kind of stuck in that whole, if it ain't broke, don't fix it model. So how have you done that? How many times have you rewritten your job description over, you know, you have a network just celebrated 18 years last month. And so tell me what, what has changed for you as the owner of this business over the past 18 years? Well, what I will tell you is my job description is rewritten every January. So starting in September last month, you know, we begin to think about, you know, what are some of the things that we want to be able to discuss at our executive offsites. We start brainstorming on an agenda, right, of what do we want to be able to discuss at our offsite that begins the planning season for the next year. So we start in September. And then um, by the end of September, we have a really tight agenda. People come with brand new ideas. And that is a spirited conversation around, you know, what are the things that should, you know, should move us forward? Where are the things that we need to totally reimagine? What are some of the things that need to be tweaked? How do we improve the current programs that we have to make them new and improved? And, you know, so there's that constant looking at what you have and making it better and then what's missing. And then we start saying, okay, so if this is what we're going to do, do we have enough resources? And if we don't, what are the kinds of resources that we need? Are they software resources? Are they um, equipment resources? Are they people resources? Are they talent resources? What, what is all of that that's needed to be able to begin to deliver some of the things we decide that we want to do? And, um, and then we say, okay, so how are we going to come up with those dollars, <laughs> right? So are there things that we can put more aggressively in play now, different promotions and things? Do I, you know, take cash reserve to pay for it? Um, do I go and get my line of credit extended? There are the dollar resources because on January 1, what you want to do is you want to hit the ground running. Some, some people wait until January 1 to say, Say, okay, new year, now let me start, right? I have always adopted November and December as the months to prepare for January 1 so that when that ball, that New York ball hits the ground and the floodgates open and it's a new year, I am... I mean, I am busting out of the gate and I'm racing. I'm not thinking about it, wondering about it. Okay, so where's the gate? <laughs> How do I get there? How fast does it open? What's my lane like? Is it you know going to be muddy? Is it going to be you know smooth sailing? What you know? Just I want to be able to anticipate so I'm hitting the ground running. And as a result of that, I have to then say to the company, particularly to my executive team. Given all of this new stuff that we worked on basically fourth quarter to be able to be delivered for the following year, 
how do I have to show up differently? What are the things that I've been doing that no longer serves the business? Is it stuff that can be let go? Can I delegate it? How does, how does that get disseminated so that I can create a balance in my life? See, I don't manage time, I manage boundaries. If you're always managing time, then my opinion is, then that's a rat race. Now all you're doing is measuring minutes and all of us only have so many minutes in a day. And yet there are some people you got to look at and say, wow, what is he or she doing with their time to get those kind of results that I'm not? Because we have the same time frame. Right. And so to me, it's about, you know, my mother used to say the problem with, you know, the rat race is even if you win, you're still a rat. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I know people that just make lists and feel good when they check things off the list and not really saying, is this the right list? Am I working on the right things? Right. Or am I just checking things off the list? So for me, it's about regrouping and saying, what's my new list? What's, what is it that I should be working on as the CEO of this company to move what we just created forward in an aggressive way? And if I've got to do all these new things, then what is it that I've got to let go of? And if I let go, what's going to fall through the cracks, who's going to catch those balls, etc. So we rewrite my job description in January every single year. And this is so on time because here you just had this meeting, what, a week ago? Yeah. Planning for 2019. Mm -hmm. So now we're in October. And if you're listening to this right now and you haven't yet done it, you're right on time. It's not too late. It's yeah. a beautiful thing. You can literally start planning out your 2019 right now. So what I would love to do is our call to action today on the podcast is if you are on the Million Dollar Woman podcast and you are hearing this right now, I want you to make sure that you engage with us and let us know as a result of listening to this, what is your big goal for 2019? What are you going to commit to making happen to move you towards that million dollar woman mark for 2019 to earn your own spot on this show? So make sure you you commit to it and make it a declaration. Post it on social media. Make sure you tag at Sandra Yancey, tag at eWoman Network, and let us know what this conversation right now inspired for you because I'm already so inspired and so excited for what 2019 has in store. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's Virtual Office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. You're totally right that so many people kind of wait for that new year to inspire their ideas and they kind of start after the ball drops, right? Right. When really, what one of the things that you say that I love is success is scheduled. Yes. It does not happen by accident. And I love that. And you are clearly living and it's, not, and it's it. not for the chosen few, it's for the few who choose it. Yes. I mean, there's a reason, unfortunately, why only 2% of all women business owners ever break a million dollar mark. I think the, the ones that have their fourth quarter already in play, I don't have to worry about my fourth quarter. It's in play, as you well know. Right. Right. It's all the marketing elements are on the board. Everybody knows what's happening. People are working on now what needs to be done next month in November and December. Right. I'm already working on 
you know, first quarter of next year. And some things are in play. They're standard. Our platinum event is coming up in February, et cetera. But the, what are the new things? Mm-hmm. It's not just a regurgitation of the same. It is really about how are you constantly improving and innovating so that people see you as fresh. I mean, the most successful people are the people that are that are the great innovators, Yep. right? Absolutely. I want to kind of roll back a little bit, too, because you talked about, you know, in planning for 2019, how, where are we going to find the dollars to do that? And you spoke to some of the resources that you can go about doing that. But, you know, now we're kind of moving into speaking on the planning that goes into making these things happen in advance and the resources that it requires. Obviously, there's a team of us here that really make these things happen. And the listeners of Million Dollar Women are at all stages. So for those women that maybe aren't at that level to be able to bring on a team that maybe needs some different resources or ways to go about getting the support to make these dreams or to make these goals happen, um, can you speak a little bit to some of your tips and tricks? I mean, we just actually, a couple weeks weeks ago, uh, did a blog post after interviewing you on how to effectively build a team. And you did touch a little bit on, you know, if you're not at that stage to um, be able to hire employees, if you're at that stage where you're still kind of the Jill of all trades and doing it all, but know that you need to get some people in your corner, um, different resources to go about, whether making them shareholders and bartering, all of those various things. So can you speak a little bit to your philosophy around when it's time to maybe bring someone in as a shareholder versus when it's time to barter versus when it's time to hire? What's some of your indicators of that? And I've done all three of those things. Um, in the very beginning, I, I mean, I couldn't even afford the legal bills to understand how to go how to go about bringing in shareholders. Mm. So in the very beginning, you know, I was doing it all. I didn't even, I was in that stage where I couldn't even hire people because I hadn't even quite figured out what I needed from them. Sounds Sounds familiar. (laughs) And then what I've learned is if I could, if, if I could give you my lessons learned viewed on it, not what I did, but now knowing what I know, what I would do differently Mm. is that, I think that we have to understand that as CEOs that our job is not to manage, it's to lead. Lead others, but manage yourself. Yeah. Okay. And what I mean by that is I think as um, CEOs, uh, we often feel that we're supposed to know all the answers and we're supposed to be able to give everybody very clear directions on everything that they're supposed to be doing. That became a cumbersome, time-sucking job for me. Mm. Uh, what I've what I've learned now is that great leaders don't have, you know, all those answers. What they have is really great questions. So what they have is a vision, and they tell people what they want, and then they ask the question, "How do we get there?" And I'm telling you, if you say that in front of a group of people, and they have nothing to really contribute. That's an indicator you got the wrong group. You got mm-hmm. people completely dependent on you to tell them everything. And leaders are about hiring people that are way smarter than them mm-hmm. in the given niches in which they hire them or trade, barter, right? So, you know, it's about being influential enough to get people to get excited about what your grand vision is and say they want to be a part of it. And then saying to them, 
What's your suggestion on how we get there? And allow the magic to happen when they start saying, well, we ought to do this and we ought to do that. And, and you don't even at some level know what they're talking about. You, you almost have to say, wait a minute, explain to me, what is that? Right. And all of a sudden you realize that they have a, this bandwidth of information that is totally in your blind spot. It's not your job to learn all of that. It's your job to find those people and then say, okay, so how do we do that? Why don't I barter with you? I've got a good skill here. We can trade. That's, I think that's not uncommon, but I do think it's dangerous to get hooked on that because I'm here to tell you, you can't, you can't build a million-dollar business always bartering. You need cash. Mm -hmm. so you've got to do things for cash, right? Then there's times when you hire people, right? And the most important thing you need to know is that as you hire people, I know entrepreneurs that have held on to people they've hired because they don't, they're afraid to replace that person because they have no documentation of what that person is doing. That's your job as the CEO to say, when you submit to me your invoice for that, I need to have an update you know, on that. Or what we do is instead of having it on paper, we have a our own project management system. We use Basecamp, but there's Asana. There's a number of different, mm -hmm. but you can give them access so that they're constantly putting in what they're working on. What's so powerful about that is even if you have to bring on someone new, they can go and see. The archived projects. Exactly. What's been done. That was something that's so powerful. Even, you know, because you do the largest four-day women's conference in North America. Those listeners that we have that are Women Network members are familiar with the organization. No, but not everybody is familiar. And so it's huge. And, I mean, like literally multiple five-inch binders full of information and tasks and to-dos go into pulling off this enormous, life-changing conference. And so when I came into the company quite recently, I was... I, I don't think I ever really fully put in perspective how much planning goes into executing it as smoothly as it's executed. And it was amazingly cool to witness just how, okay, it's time for the conference again. Let's go ahead and reopen this project from last year. So in Basecamp, it's literally reopening the same project and all the same tasks become, you know, Yes. to do's yeah. and you don't have to rethink everything over and, and over. And remember and what was that and uh, oh, you know, yeah. the cool thing is as you know because you were a witness to this um, we took the whole staff. I mean it was a huge investment can I just say a lot of times even staff doesn't think about this. I took the staff off-site for a day mm -hmm. right it was basically from 10 in the morning till 4 o'clock in the afternoon right. And there was a lot of prep work that was required to be done prior to that meeting. And it was nothing but what we call our plan to review on the conference, right? You plan it, you do it, now it's time to review. And, and I believe this, that's a secret sauce of a lot of really successful entrepreneurs, certainly at the million dollar mark, because so many entrepreneurs plan and do, and then they move into the planning and doing of the next thing and never stop and say, okay, let's look at what happened. We send out a survey, we take that survey and our own experiences, right? We do a spot analysis, where do we shine? And shine is not just strengths, it's like, where are we like rocking it, hitting it out of the park, knocking right. the socks off? Okay, what are the problem areas? Meaning, problem behind the scenes, behind the curtains, it's Oz behind the curtains, mm -hmm. but the audience knows nothing about it. But behind the scenes, it's creating angst and churn and late hours and frustration, And right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are the opportunities? Where did we miss the opportunity to be better, to do more, to serve more? And then the threats are really for us 
you know, what are the things that were the problems that the customers did see it, right, that we never want them to see that again. So having that done prior to the meeting allowed us to just have really great conversation mm. about how can we do this better? What can we do differently? Maybe we should put the kibosh completely on how we do that and totally reinvent a new aspect. Or here's one of the trends that's been happening that we're not doing that we need to jump on. And, oh, really? How do we find out? I mean, you know this. Yeah. We're going to a an event yep. to go witness something to understand it better, to then come back and say, how can we put our spin on that, introduce it to our own conference next year? So uh, that whole plan, do, review, that whole spot analysis is a takeoff. It's an adaptation. I was going to say, please speak to that, because I think a lot of people hear you say that and think, oh, how cute. She just did a little adaptation of the famous SWOT, SWOT analysis. But it's not just a cute adaptation. You really had a very powerful reasoning behind that when you explain that to your staff at the meeting and the difference between a weakness and a problem in a corporate versus entrepreneurial setting. So can you share with with our listeners sure. a little bit about why you call it a SPOT versus a SWOT. So SWOT analysis is well documented in corporate America. I used it all the time and that's when I brought it uh, to uh, the company. But there was something off on it. It wasn't quite working the same. And it took me a minute to kind of really think about it and realize that I needed to adapt it, not adopt it, but now adapt it so that it fit my kind of environment. You know, weaknesses in corporations um, aren't always interpreted as something that needs to be fixed. In many ways, weaknesses, people spend a lot of research at the corporate level of don't play to your weaknesses, play to your strengths, and hire for your weaknesses. Well, that all sounds really good, but when you're an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. you don't always have that luxury of this bank, if you will, that you can pull from and just hire for your weaknesses. Right. So, um, and so people don't always think about fixing them, the hire to fix. And we just, I just don't believe that uh, that necessarily fits for the entrepreneur world. So I changed it from a weakness to a problem because inherent in the word problem is you want to fix, fix a it. problem. Yep. Exactly. So how do we fix this? And, and the answer isn't always about hiring someone. So it just is a, as well as the S in SWOT analysis stands for strengths. Well, you know, you can just, people can list strengths forever. What you build on in terms of your brand is the areas in which you shine. And that's that top 5% of your strengths. And those become, in many ways, um, aligned with what people recognize as part of your brand. Right, like a signature to you. Exactly, exactly. And, and it's really easy if you don't know what those are to not understand that and then use that as a thread in everything that you do, Yeah. right? Like one of the one of our shines is the laser coaching that I do when I come off the stage and I go to the audience. They can write questions, ask me anything, and I pull them out and have people stand up and do laser coaching. That often turns into a massive training for the audience, real time based on exactly, you know, a core question that exists in the audience. Overwhelmingly in our surveys, that is an area in which we shine that people come to the conference in large measure because of that. So what I've learned is that has to be part of 
everything that mm-hmm. I do. I integrate it now when I do uh, keynotes, you know, uh, on my tour, my platinum event, my conference. It's signature to, you know, an eWomen Network experience, an example of a shine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think what's so brilliant about you being you know, our, our first guest on this new reimagined podcast beyond being the visionary behind this mission is also just your wealth of knowledge, having experience in both the corporate world and the entrepreneurial world world and how, you know, what you've adopted and adapted from the corporate world and how it plays into the way you run your business today. And there's just so endless amounts of lessons that you've gotten from that. I mean, we could have probably 20 sequels to this one <laughs> podcast and just talk forever about all of the lessons learned. But between your corporate experience and 18 beautiful years of eWomen Network mm. and this new chapter you're moving into and just everything that you've taken away, what would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? The best piece of advice I've ever gotten is, um, and I've got my own adaptation of it. Of course you do. <laughs> right, is better to be imperfectly done than perfectly undone, mm-hmm. right? Better to get started and get going than to continue thinking about it, right? right? And, and trying to make it perfect. Uh, you know, it's like my experience is there was never a perfect day to have a child. There's never a what perfect... <laughs> I mean, you know, your dad and I waited 13 years before we had you and and another almost five years, four and a half years before we had, you know, our son, your brother. And I just feel like just press the button, launch, go. You're going to make mistakes. And waiting for things to be perfect is perfect in your mind. It never really rolls out that way anyway. So what are you waiting for? Trust that you either have the wisdom or you have access to getting the wisdom, whether you have to do a search on the internet or pick up the phone and call a colleague or go to a networking event, an e-women network event, and use that networking time, not maybe to solve, not not maybe to get a new customer, but to get advice on a problem that you're having that if you fix, could get you 100 customers, right? right? And so you have what it takes to get, I mean, every master was once a disaster. You know, we all start struggling, you know, and that's really what what differentiates an amateur from a pro. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the pro has wisdom and knowledge and can anticipate, yep. right, uh, what's coming. And an amateur is new and doesn't know what to anticipate, doesn't know where the balls are going to land, where the lightning's going to strike, where the mine is <laughs> buried, you know, in the ground. And, um, but, but go, I mean, it's, you know, we, I think entrepreneurs are so inherently creative anyway, mm-hmm. that that creativity works against us when we start hallucinating in our minds that if something goes wrong, that it's going to be way worse, you know, than it really ever is. Oh Yeah. Absolutely. And kind of to build off of that, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Always. So we we're always looking back and thinking, oh, what was I thinking? Or, right. you know, taking lessons away. But so, you know, Brianna, that's another reason why plan, do, review is so important to, to be able to recall those, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? I got to remember for the next time. Yep. So important. Yep. You know, you can't delegate if you don't have, if you don't have a transference mechanism to passing off something to someone else. Right. You know, you'll always be having to have your thumb on everything. And that, that to me is 
painful and exhaustive. Definitely doesn't give you the freedom that we spoke on, that what being a million dollar woman means to you, right? Yeah, exactly. So creating that freedom is kind of being able to let go and trusting your team. So totally get it. Million dollar women. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Yeah. You're listening to the Million Dollar Women Podcast. So in addition to the best piece of advice you've ever gotten, it's equally important to recognize our problems, right? So right. what's the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? Well, this is a little provocative and controversial, but for me, I'm going to say from my, from my perspective, I really don't like that phrase, fake it till you make it. Why not? I don't like it because I I guess I always have to put my I just don't think you're in integrity when you do that. Right. You know, I mean it doesn't mean you have to tell everybody your problems and all of your dilemmas, but you know great leaders are always in the problem-solving mode. I mean that's what we do. We solve problems for others and in doing so we've got to solve problems for ourselves to grow. And I just feel like I never I never want somebody to be presenting that they can help me with something that they're faking right you know i mean who wants to who wants to find out that they have just purchased something from an imposter i mean what how would you feel about that oh yeah and so i, I just feel inherently it just throws the energy off there's it just it just totally, you know, scrambles the good juju <laughs> that happens when you when you make that match, you know. And I think it's really okay for a problem to pop up with someone and say, that's a really good question. You know, I, I let me check with my team. A, look at how that makes you look bigger, mm -hmm. right? That you've got access to resources. Let me let me check out with, let me check with some of my my specialists, some of the people on my team that really focus and own that piece of the business and get the answer for you and come back and then come back with a really compelling answer, right? That you would never be able to generate if you were just winging a response because you didn't want to admit that you didn't know something. Totally. Totally. Kind of comes back to being that great leader and not feeling the need to have all the answers and having the right questions and being okay with that. I mean, I even do it with my high paying clients. You know, if they ask a question, I've been with my, you know, $100,000 clients when they ask a question about digital marketing. And as you know, we have a whole team here yeah. that does that. And you head that part up of the company. And I'll often say, let me uh, let me get with Brianna and l let her meet with her team and let me come back to you with a with an answer on that. I think it's this, but I'm going to feel better, 
in, in checking my hunch out and knowing that it's confirmed and delivering with you, you know, de delivering to you not only an answer, but here's the reasons why. And I find that my customers appreciate that about me. And in doing so, I think we model and give permission for others to do the same thing. I love it. So, you know, while we're kind of on this track with advice and lessons learned, was there any big mistakes, any rocky bumps that you hit on your on your journey to embarking on seven figures that, you know, almost caused, caused you to throw in the towel? Totally. And then the, one, the big one was that I used all my own personal money to get the business off the ground and I didn't start to establish business credit. Mm. You know, I, I'm not trying to say that, you know, you need to be financially reckless, but I do believe that to grow, you're going to need some credit. And so, you know, getting, you know, focusing on your numbers so that you feel good about them and you can go to a bank and at least get a business credit card. I mean, the good news is, is that I had had a business card when I had my solo practice for seven years prior to starting eWomen Network. Um, and so I had established some decent business credit, but I needed to go after credit. I ultimately got a, you know, um, an SBA loan, which is low interest, long-term debt. You pay it off over long-term, which makes your payment low and your interest rate low. I ended up then graduating from that and getting a line of credit. Um, and what I didn't do, Brianna, which was close to a fatal flaw, was that I got a bank account but I didn't have a banking relationship. Uh -huh. And so my, I always say to, to all entrepreneurs, the best time to get a banker is when you need nothing. So if you're listening to this right now and you're going, I don't need that right now. I don't need a banker banking relationship right now. Can I just say, this is when you go get it. When you go in, you know, don't do the drive-through. The drive-throughs were actually created for for moms in large measure, stay-at-home moms that had little kids. They didn't want you bringing those children into the bank because inside the bank is where all the business meetings are, and they didn't want they didn't want you to, you know, bringing crying kids and all of that. Right. So go in, park, go in, introduce yourself. You know, if you don't have if you have a book, give them a copy of your book. You don't have a copy of you don't have it. You're not an author, but you've got a blog. Print out your last blog. You know, you don't have a a book right now, or you haven't gotten an award. Then print off the cover of your brand newly created web page in color and giving it to them. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of that. You've got an award, but it's a statue. Put that statue face down on the copier. Make a copy of the front of it and give them give them a copy of it. Yeah. You know, you do things to make them create a file on you and just say, I need nothing. I just want you to know I'm your customer and I'm working and I'm growing and I'm making progress. I need nothing. You're like making not only deposits into the account, you're making deposits into that relationship. And I promise you, someday you're going to want to make a withdrawal. And when you want to make the withdrawal, then that's when you could go in because they you're not a stranger. It's kind of like networking. I always say people only want to go to networking when they need something. Like, I don't need anything right now. I got more than enough business. I don't have time to network. Are you kidding? That's when the most important time for you to network, when you need nothing, when you just show up and you're just building relationships and you're taking an hour, you're investing an hour or two on the come, on the future, that people are going to see how you help people. And the day you need help, people are going to go, man, I've seen her multiple times. She's always here helping other people. I want to help her now, too. Mm-hmm. 
I love it. That's actually a piece of advice you gave me, and I actually listened to you, which is crazy. Like, listen to your mom's <laughs> advice? What? Imagine that. Wildest thing. But it's insane because it's not even just when it comes to making withdrawals. It's when crazy things happen, like when you're traveling and your card's getting declined and you're trying to treat one of your VIP clients and they keep, you know, like just the weirdest stuff happens sometimes right. with technology. The yeah. weirdest stuff. And truly having that relationship with a banker to be able to literally move mountains was literally life-changing. It's incredible. Literally. You're out of the country. You forget to tell the, ba the, the the bank that you're going out of the country. You've now just bought dinner for a client and the card declines. How great is it to have your banker's phone number? Because yeah. over time, they will give you their phone number yep. and you've got it on your favorites and you can say, I'm out of the country. My card's declining. I need it to go through. It is it's amazing what like, they can what make. What can they do? Do they have a <laughs> wand over there? I don't understand. It's they crazy. Fix it in a nanosecond. But right? when there's problems with your money, I mean, having a banker on standby like that is just gen genuinely the best advice ever. So awesome. Well, like I said, we're going to have to do a sequel episode yes. because we could just go on forever with all of these golden nuggets and advice. I mean, this has just been such a rich, rich interview with you already. Um, but I kind of want to end it on a fun note. You know, mm. so many people get to see you as Sandra Yancey, the <laughs> business transformation and life transformation <gasps> expert and, you know, all of those things. But, you know, you're a real person. Totally. And so let's do a little bit of rapid fire, mm. shall we? Uh-oh, uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> so here's my personal favorite. Answer correctly. Choose wisely. Boys or girls? <laughs> That's a difficult one, right? <laughs> I'm split down the middle because I got me and you, and then I got Kim and Ryland. Right? <laughs> but I'm, an, you know, I am so pro. I'm not anti-male, but I'm very pro-woman. I love it. Good choice. I know what you're really saying. <laughs> uh, coffee or tea? Oh man, Brianna. I know. I know you. I had to pick some hard ones. You know, I. There's something about tea in the fall and winter for me, you know, and I and I don't talk about tea bags. I mean, I, I buy the raw tea, you know, put them in the little bell. Is that what Get you call you them? Get you a little bougie tea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I <call it> bougie <laughs> tea. I do, I do. But I like Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Dunkin' Donuts coffee. You do. <laughs> yes, you do. I do. I never, I've never, I've never stood in line and paid no six bucks for a cup of coffee. I just can't do that. But I like coffee in the morning. I, I just am not going to do that. I feel the judgment right now, okay? I, <laughs> no, I feel it I piercing through my soul. I'm sorry. You know how people get back at me just with a little, like, you know, wink, like, I got you, is they know that I don't buy that coffee, and so I often get cards. You have an ungodly <laughs> amount of Starbucks gift cards. I swear she has, like, a file. There's, like, 50 Starbucks cards in there, and it's a really great gift, but just so that you know, they all end up with me, right? <laughs> When certainly when we've traveled, I've yeah, said, you yeah. know. You, oh, I got it. I got this. I got the gift card. I'm like, oh, sweet, because I'm always the one that's like, can we stop at Starbucks? She's like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so funny. But I would never do it on my own. No. It, it, it takes it takes an instigator. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, a co-conspirator. Guilty. <laughs> Get me there. Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> All right. Here's another one for you. <clears throat> hairspray or dry shampoo? Oh. oh. Well, it depends. So hairspray for sure. As you well know, <laughs> Brianna will yell in the office. She'll be here. She'll say, "Stop with the hairspray!" <laughs> so, but but there is a color shampoo. 
So when you've got those little roots you don't want to show, uh -huh. there is a really great dry, brown, shampoo, dry shampoo, brown dry shampoo that you can put in that can fix those roots in a nanosecond. Mm -hmm. And so that's a that's a hip pocket one for me too. So do you? I just note that you've literally not given me any direct <laughs> answers. So here's your, here's your next one: fire. black, white, or gray. <laughs> Literally, literally. So it's just been gray across the board. It's true. I haven't answered. Not a single one. Not a single one. This is a true entrepreneur. I'll make my own way. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god, it's amazing. She's like, uh, I don't like either of those options. Here's my own. <laughs> Maybe this oh one will be gosh. a little bit more direct. Okay. okay. We're gonna try. Okay. I think I know the answer. All right. Hamburger or hot dog? Oh. Hamburger. Yeah. All the way. How do you, how, how do you? I do mean, it? so what most people don't know at the conference, although on my IG story, <laughs> Instagram story, you, uh, you shared it. The, uh, my, the, we, IGTV. Yeah. Exactly. IGTV. We called backstage with uh, Sandra. So on um, the last night of the conference, um, we, most people go out and they have these fabulous, you know, dinners at these most exquisite places and that kind of thing. And my ideal Saturday night dinner is In-N-Out Burger. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true. I don't know what it is. I so look forward. That's like a motivator to get to the end is that I'm going to have my In-N-Out In Burger. Mm -hmm. And you went and got them this year for me because we did the, the PJ yeah. uh, party. Uh, so it was not over until like 11 or 11.30 and I came back to my room and you opened the door and I could smell it. <laughs> I could smell the bag. I told her if she did good, she got a burger and she knocked it out of the park. So I, we got her too. Yeah, exactly. They didn't both get eaten though, I promise. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being the first official guest of I'm the Million Dollar Women about Podcast. this show. I am too. Who do you think we should have on it next? Oh, goodness gracious. Well, I can think of, here I go again, <laughs> I can think of a number of different people that you should have, right? I mean, Obviously, uh, I feel like you need to have Laura Herring because she runs a $50 million business, and I have learned so much from her. Totally. Right? Both personally and professionally. That's what I love about Laura. So uh, she would be, you know, a really important one. I think about the people that have groomed me in many ways for each level mm -hmm. and held my feet to the fire when I've had to make painful or tough decisions mm -hmm. that were in the best interest for the business long term. Um, so she definitely, you know, comes to mind for sure. But there's a host. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them. I got a list. Oh, keep it coming and if you're listening and you have somebody you want us to interview yeah. on the podcast this is what you do just go on itunes leave us a review and share not only your favorite takeaway from this episode but who you would love to hear on the next one i want to see what everybody says what oh, popped up for them we're going to be sharing i'm going to highlight a review every podcast so definitely make sure you go on there we're going to shout you out share your review and possibly even get your dream person on this podcast yeah. and answer some of your burning questions about being a million dollar woman and what it means to them. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sandra Mom. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Brie Brie. <laughs> All right. See you guys next time on the Million Dollar Women Podcast. Money, money, money. Money. Ooh, that was flat. Thank you for listening to Million Dollar Women.
calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve one million dollars in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.